We are geek-centric, and you can be too. What's up, geeks, and welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Justin, and today we're going old-schooled and heading to infinity and beyond with our recap of this year's Fan Expo Limited Edition here in Toronto. While we were there, we found some time to hit up the theaters and take in what can only be described as the Chalamet experience with Dune and French Dispatch, both hitting theaters this weekend in Toronto, plus... The Lightyear trailer dropped today, so you know we want to talk about that. But before we get to all of that, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly, well, it's inconsistent, but we got a lot of reviews that covers the world of film, television, gaming, toys, collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me for today's episode, we have my fellow con brethren, Kevin, and funny enough, his actual brother who is also my con brother. Darcy Hudson, how are you, boys? The Con Squad, getting it done. <laughs> the Con Doing Squad. Doing good. Doing yeah. good. Yeah. Well, you might also be wondering. Nate is not with us. Uh, actually, this past weekend, that while we were enjoying Fan Expo, it was his last weekend in Toronto. He's moved out to Halifax, and he is in the process of doing that. So that's why he is not on this episode today. But he promises he'll be back soon, and he says hello. And I'm sure he'll probably have some thoughts about. Uh, either of the movies that we're going to talk about. Uh, speaking of which, let's move it right into our Whatcha. And yes, we're going to do Whatcha a bit different rather than us just kind of giving you a list of things that we've been watching. We're going to share our thoughts, spoiler free, of course, on the two movies that we enjoyed this weekend. Like I said at the top of the show, Dune and French Dispatch. And I think we should start with Dune. If you've been living under a rock, then you clearly are unaware of this sci-fi epic that has been swooping into theaters and, and captivating audiences. Uh, this is, uh, of course, directed by Denise Villeneuve, uh, and it stars Timothy Chalamet, uh, Zdenia, Rebecca Ferguson, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, David Batista, Javier Bardem, uh, a whole slew of characters. And yeah, this has been one that has been highly anticipated for this year. And guys, it did not disappoint. I think we were all very thrilled. Kevin, let's start with you. What did you well, think? Well, I just want to say, if they have been living under a rock, take a look for some spice because that could be worth <laughs> some serious coin, as we learned in the movie. Um, no, but I think if anybody in the, the geek-centric universe was going into that movie with, with just low expectation, it was certainly me. We, we talked about it in a trailer time in the past in terms of our upcoming movies for this year, and I just... it never really spoke to me in, in terms of the trailer. It just looked like a long, boring space opera that I wasn't going to love. And leaving that theater, I cannot believe just, I can't wait for Dune 2. The fact that we got news just yeah, a few days week, later, that was yeah. that was the best news I could have hoped for. Yeah, absolutely. Dars, how about yourself? What did you yeah. think? Well, again, normally I'm the guy who has all the backstory and lore to these these series and movies that we talk about. But Dune is one of the few that I, I've never personally gotten into. And so much like Kevin, I was kind of no expectations going into the movie or very low ones and came out super surprised. Like, I actually want to go back and try reading this book now. It was incredible. The visuals, the soundtrack, everything about that movie was amazing. And I like 
people say it's the most precious film ever. And the fact that I'm talking about the soundtrack and visuals, I can see why people are saying that. Like, it's just, it, everything about it is art in a way. Absolutely. I, I totally yeah. agree. It's a film. It's, it is a mm-hmm. film and it, and it's done well. And you made reference to not having the back history or the background uh, by reading the books, but I feel like we all have the background because we watch Star Wars. And, and what was so crazy is just how much of Star Wars really does come from Dune. Mm-hmm. And that actually helped. I'm going to say it. It helped me at least follow along the story and to understand the sort of who the characters are and, and, and where they sort of fit. Um, but Denise Villeneuve is, is, is by far one of my favorite directors. I was concerned about length and, and how, how drawn out this was going to be in comparison to something like Blade Runner 2049, which I think had some really like had some dips, not to say that this movie didn't have its own dips, but it is very much like an experience. You're experiencing everything from a visual auditory. It is just, it is all immersive and, and seeing it in IMAX. We should also express that we saw this in IMAX. It was insane. And I think it's the best way to see this movie is, is in IMAX. But like, you, you said it and I, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on it. It has to be said. This movie is too long. This movie was too long and I didn't care. And so I yeah. think that's just a testament to how engrossing the experience was. And like you said, IMAX is the only way that this movie should be experienced. You are blinded by sunlight over these desert scapes. It is just such a, a fully engrossing experience. And then the way they use the music is almost a weapon to batter your senses throughout this whole yes. time. It was just so engrossing from every film capacity that there is. Yeah, sen- sensory is is a good word to use because it was a sensory overload and not an overload, but a sensory experience. Mm-hmm. And like I mean, like, when we're talking about the length there again, it was too long. We all came about saying it, but the, it wasn't a bad thing. Like it was all the lengthy scenes that were drawn out. When you look back at those scenes, you understand why. And like like the story definitely affects that length because of what is going on at those moments. And it was it's just weird how they used time to really convey another thing. It was like. Just like the visuals and audio and soundtrack, the way that they they let like held on to certain scenes really mm-hmm. drove home the the ex- extraterrestrialness of the whole experience. Basically, yeah. it was really cool. And ha- and and I love just how much of a sci-fi vibe it has of its own nature. Like it's it's obviously influenced and inspired by so much that's come. But again, Denise Villeneuve, like he just he has such an aesthetical look to his sci-fi his futurist sort of look it's just and he embodies he's very much like nolan where it's it's practical it's something that could exist in in a near future but it's it's not necessarily so out of reach but it is at the same time like it it just it has such a presence to it like it's mm-hmm. just it's so immersive it, it, it helps so uh, i feel like he killed this movie man like he did such a good job and it just shows in in every aspect of how how this movie was, was, was I, I, done like another thing that was done so well is the the ship and and building design everything felt so real so practical right that's that's one of the lasting legacies of something like star wars is that everything felt just so authentic and real and i for the first time in a long time i'm excited to watch a making of feature just to see how much of this was practical effects because this was so epic in scale bigger than any movie i think i've maybe ever seen just to see how much of a team effort would have been necessary to bring that to life right 
And I think one of the things that really goes a long way in making these all this extraterrestrial space stuff seem more realistic is the fact that a lot of the ships are gritty. You can see the wear and tear. You can see, you know, humans have lived here and you have used this to travel millions of miles. Like there is, there is a story to each piece that you see on the screen, which is again, just, it adds to that layer of just like you are, you are totally engrossed in this movie. I love it. I'm actually planning on going to see it again with my friends because I liked it so much. So yeah, yeah. totally on board. (laughs) Well, it's in theaters um, and it's also available on HBO Max. Uh, for our friends south of the border it's not available on crave understandably when i think of movies that you stream or that you watch in theaters this is a movie you watch in theaters right Mm -hmm. a movie like army of thieves that's a stream at home movie right so i feel like you know this is something that you need to go and experience to get the full breadth of it if you're going to watch it in in the comfort of your own house then create a movie theater environment because that's the only way you're going to get that immersive connectivity with the visuals with the audio with everything we've just described yeah i think i think that's almost an over talked about cliche these days is right does it need to be in a theater or street it it could not be more important to the mm-hmm. experience of this film it's it is if there's ever been a movie that is just like you have to see that in theaters it's this one i think it's it's top of my list in terms of that theatrical experience that just takes everything to a whole new level yeah. mm-hmm. well with that uh let's just give our impromptu review here uh, uh a number so, you know, out of five dunes, what are you giving this movie? Just, just do it. <laughs> yeah, really just simple there. I like it. Um, yeah. I'll go I first. I just want to know your number. You don't need to justify anything. Just give yeah. me your number out of no, five. 4.5 out of five dunes for me. And the only reason why is because it, it, some parts were just a bit long. And again, that's not a bad thing. It's just two, and a, two hours, 40 minutes is a bit long for me to sit still and, and be engrossed. Although that movie definitely nailed that aspect. And I almost feel bad here because I've, I've thrown out this number a few times in the last couple of weeks. So maybe I'm just going soft in my old age. But I really <laughs> think this is, this is a different perfect score than uh, ones I've given over the last couple of weeks. This is a, a true five out of five. And that is without, you know, I've said it a thousand times in the last four days. I love that movie, but it was too long. And that doesn't matter. This is a five out of five for me. I can't wait for 2023. That's already my most anticipated movie of the next few years is Dune Part Two. Yeah, that's that is surprising, people. Yes, let me, I just, can let totally, me just say, yeah. like, the fact that this is overtly a, a very art film sci-fi movie, and Kevin is giving it a five out of five. This let's mark this day <laughs> in our calendar. Um, yeah, I I would give it five out of five dunes as well. I I think that yeah, it is long, but that's to be anticipated. Like I didn't, I already knew that going in. Right. And not because I knew the runtime, just because I know the director. Like, yes. hello, prisoners. Yes. Oh, right. Like, see, Blade, and I've never liked Blade Runner 2049. Too long. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's to be expected. And that's that's fine. But what he has done here and how he has done, I would say, Star Wars in his own way, a huge universe building and how much he added in this movie that really contextualizes this world. Bravo. Like, you know, mm-hmm. not, he he knocked it out of the park. So yeah, five out of five for Dune. With that, let's move into our next Chalamet. Even though we didn't even talk about Chalamet in the last one, and he wasn't really in the in this one for for too long. But that's French Dispatch, written and directed by Wes Anderson. And again, we have a huge cast of people. We have Timothy Chalamet, Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, Adrian Brody. 
Lee Sado, Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand, Owen Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, Cersei Rona, Elizabeth Moss, Jason Schwartzman, William Defoe, Edward Norton, Christopher Waltz, Steve Park. I'm just going to stop. There's a lot of people. IMDb that you can you can see. But this is this is typical of Wes Anderson. He has a huge cast and they're all adding uh, their own little touches to this story. So. This one, I'm just going to give you guys a synopsis in case you haven't heard about it, but it is Wes Anderson. If you know Wes Anderson, then you know his types of movies. But it's a love letter to journalists set in the outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch. So I, I, I enjoyed this movie as well as, as, the second, as the second movie that we saw this weekend. How about you guys? I really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was a very artsy-fartsy weekend in terms of movies, but Wes Anderson's a different kind of art, you know. Um, but this is the most Wes Anderson film that Wes Anderson has ever Wes Andersoned. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and I think it really flexes the muscle that Wes Anderson has that, you know, we've always known him as this, you know, stunning visual director. Everything is a tableau. Everything is just so precise. And here he really got to flex the writing muscle. I think, you know, again, a love letter to journalists set in the outpost of an American newspaper. He's celebrating two sides of what he really loves, his writing and his, you know, American heritage, right? Like where he comes from, that sort of nuance of, of that time of the 60s. And, you know, aesthetically, there's just so much that's ingrained in this from from that sort of time period piece. But this is very storytelling, though. See, it's funny because I left and I'm still not quite sure what the movie is about. Uh, I right. just know it was a hodgepodge of, of scenes and moments in these really unique characters. Uh, they don't even necessarily weave together all that. Uh, you but know, see, so the, what, what, but, what ties them together is, is this actual magazine, this release of the French Dispatch and the editor, Arthur, who's played by Bill Murray, who's getting everyone together to make sure that this can go out. I, I agree. It's centered around a magazine and a booklet, and then it finds ways to try to tell stories about other people at the same time. So who is the focus here? Right. Like that's that I think, you know, I think Nate would agree with that. He didn't know who was the who was the person that that needed to be focused on. I think each of these stories, there is a person that you're need you're needing to focus on and, and anchoring it to that. And the moral lesson that they come out with at the end of their little narrative. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of it, too, like a lot of the story was it's about, you know, uh, Bill Murray's character, despite him being in it very little. I feel like his character was the returning point because he's the guy who is interacting with each of these stories and telling them, you know, rewrite this, do this. He has a, he's a hand in all these people's lives yeah, before editor, actually yeah. bringing it to the public. So yeah. it, it's clearly like it was all about how he has to sit down with these super eccentric people and wrangle out a good story for this paper from them. And I think it was a really neat way of exploring that avenue. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it was what's great, too, is, you know, we were talking about this when we left the theater and we, when we got back to the hotel. And and I think you're absolutely right. It almost has that bit of a bit of that. And I'm just going to make this comparison because it's relevant. But the Ted Lasso, the mentor mentality, the leadership, the idea of trying to bring the best out of everyone and bringing people together to bring the best out of themselves. And, you know, the, his his sort of anchoring of that, I think that fits as to what he is in the French Dispatch and these stories being told. He is the editor-in-chief or chief and editor, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I don't even know what his what his role would actually be. But 
That was said, I do think though that it did deal with some dark themes though. Did you guys get that vibe? Like it had some, 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 a little bit of darkness. Yeah, but I mean, it's obviously going to be sort of. That's obviously going to be masked a little by the quirkiness that Wes Anderson sure. brings, and that's always sort of <laughs> the themes he brings. You know, he 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 has this way of making. Uh, you know, bad things seem charming in a way, and almost like you, you you wish you were in their shoes, even though you probably wouldn't want to be it. But if Wes Anderson was telling your life story, you wouldn't mind some ups and downs. It's refreshing to see, right? And it's it's kind of nice. So you know, this was much different, obviously, from from Dune, but it it was it was fun. I thought it was I thought it was it had a little bit of charm to it in certain instances, and I enjoyed that it tried to feel like a magazine. Yeah, and yeah, and and it's certainly a different kind of artsy. It's it's a more personal, a more intimate sort of artsy film. Whereas yes. Villeneuve is is telling this huge, massive Scale. scope. This is yeah. very intimate with the characters. Human nature, based. yes. And yes. then, but just if, from a visual standpoint, I've never seen a movie that's supposed to look like a stage play look this much like a st- it was like you could see into the screen and the actors were yeah. literally there climbing ladders and and you could feel the sets almost it was just so mm-hmm. tangible it was really really special to watch that aspect of it yeah you can see all of the best things that Wes Anderson has learned in his filmmaking career come to life the the miniature builds the animation styles uh you know tricks and and sort of illusions right with with building sets that that almost interchange with the camera movement because it's built around the camera movement and less around it it actually being a physical space right so out of five magazine articles what would you guys give it um i mean this movie's not going to replace grand budapest on the top of my list for favorite wes anderson films now to be fair that movie's in my top three of favorite movies of all time so that's a that's a challenging uh standpoint i think if you've never seen a wes anderson film um nate (laughs) Maybe check out of his <laughs> other work first. Oh no, but honestly, because For sure. I think yeah. this might catch you off guard if you've never seen a movie because you're, you're you've never really seen anything quite like this movie. Right. Uh, but if you are a fan of Wes Anderson and his aesthetic and the way he tells stories, again, this is just him combining everything he's ever learned into one hodgepodge yeah. movie that just it blew me away. This is a solid four point six out of five magazine articles uh i can i said i really liked it i've been a big fan of wes anderson for a while i remember you know boring the movies from kev growing up and when i first started watching them i liked them but i didn't know why and then when i went back and rewatched them i figured out why so again after rewatching and you know digesting his films going into this one i was taken away with the same thing like this is his masterpiece and that he's finally figured out how to tell the story he wants using all the methods he wants to so i really enjoyed it uh definitely i mean like, like i've said not up there in terms of my favorite wes anderson movies but the story and the way it was told was definitely uh, a really cool way uh, a unique way of uh storytelling but yeah i really I, I really liked it i'll probably get it 4.5 out of 5 magazine articles i thoroughly enjoyed it Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm a Wes Anderson nut. I I love all of his movies. Um, I, I I I totally agree with you. Grand Budapest is 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 top tier. I I also love Darjeeling Limited. I think that's so great. And what you point out too, Kevin, is that he's already done movies that are focused on on characters. I feel like this was more about an ensemble and with mini stories about people, but more of an ensemble. And for that. Like you said, Darcy, he brings this best of what he's learned forward in this movie. And yeah, I would give it like a high, like I'm going to give it a 4.8 out of five news articles. Awesome. Well, there's our little impromptu review, whatcha, of 
the Chalamet experience as we as we've dubbed it. Um, let's let's move into the next part before we get into our fan expo discussion. And I, I think uh, we need to talk about this trailer. So so let's get to it. It's trailer time. <laughs> I've missed that banjo sound. I'm glad that we have the opportunity to, to, to do this. So today, Pixar dropped their trailer for Lightyear, coming out June 17th, 2022. Uh, Lightyear is a sci-fi action adventure and definitive origin story of Buzz Lightyear, the hero who inspired the toy. The film reveals how a young test pilot becomes the space ranger that we know him to be today. All we have right now for casting is Chris Evans as as Buzz Lightyear. Uh, guys, this trailer was epic. Like I was yeah. like blown <laughs> I was away. Shocked. I was like, <laughs> when they showed Buzz with hair, I'm like, yo, he's got serious <laughs> flow, man. Yeah. Well, I just the one thing that I took walked away after that was the visuals, like the space yeah. visuals. I was getting mad interstellar gravity, yep. Martian, Martian mo- yep. modern space st- like stories. That's the immediate vibe I got from any time we saw. Him flying through space, it was chills. Like I, I was, I didn't wasn't really thinking that this movie was necessary, but after that trailer, I am a hundred percent on board. I just love this idea of how meta it is. Like to think that this is probably the movie Andy in the Toy Story world would have probably seen that gave him the the definition of who this toy is, right? But I don't. But I don't think so. That's the crazy thing because this is a movie set in the future about a toy that was released in the '90s. It's like super confusing <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> no, for sure. But it says here it's a definitive origin story to Buzz Lightyear, the hero that inspired the toy. So you know. When they initially announced this movie, there was there was a bit of a hinting of like, this is the movie that made Buzz Lightyear Buzz Lightyear in the Toy Story world. And I, I think that that, that kind of hits as making sense, which is why I really like... Have you ever seen those depictions of when they take Disney characters and try to make them real life characters? Mm. That's kind mm-hmm. of what the aesthetic of this Buzz Lightyear you looks can, like. Yeah. I can see where the toy came from looking <laughs> exactly. at the, like the human yeah. buzz. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I, like I think that this this is cool because it's uh, the way that you like when you're looking at stuff. If you think about Incredibles, how a lot of it is like set in like a retro future type style thing. Correct. If we think along the same lines. We can look at like this space exploration as like again happening when we were looking at going to the moon. But this one was we've been to the moon. Let's go around it, the sun type right. thing. So right, right, right. It's like that next step, and they're, they're opening the door to the wider universe outside the one planet. I thought again. The fact that I'm talking this much about a Toy Story spin-off movie is just ridiculous. Like I never thought it was as necessary. It looked it looked very much like a fluff like by the sounds of it before seeing the trailer. It felt like B-level Pixar, unnecessary cash cow, but it really, really does look like they've I just thought it was a super unnecessary movie until seeing what they've done with it. This is mm-hmm. high level Pixar looking. I like, remember whoa. I remember when they announced it at uh, the Disney investor thing last year and I, I was stoked to hear that they were gonna try to do something that they they clearly in, in that that press conference made it seem like it was not to be in any way connected to Toy Story, but entirely about defining the Buzz Lightyear character. And that hits. That that totally hits. Mm-hmm. And I, I think even like the idea of like their poster that they released today on Twitter and, and all across social, it's of this very interesting aesthetic of his suit, which obviously looks more tactile and, and real, not so toy-like. Mm-hmm. And they give it this sort of rust and character. And, you know, in the trailer, we see that there's other light years. There's mm-hmm. other light years. Let's other other members of his quotes. team. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that you know, 
there there's also more characters that that he is going to have and that he's going to be able to interact with that aren't just duplicates of him obviously as as we know from toy story as we've seen so many times this is actually like his team members right so it's going to be it's going to be cool i'm i'm excited yeah i mean aside from seeing that green suit what i thought was even cooler was you look at the ship he's flying and stuff like that it yes. looks like the box that buzz yeah. came in like down yeah, to absolutely. the like everything that we know from Buzz can be seen in this character, but it's more real and, uh, and gritty and stuff like that. And I, again, I'm really excited to see how the story goes. Well, that's the thing is you don't get much from this trailer in terms of actual narration. There's, yeah. there's what, 10 lines of dialogue maybe in the whole thing. This really uh, was really reserved in what it gave us in terms of specific details. Yeah, and and I think that's 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 a no brainer. It's a teaser. It's meant to just kind of tickle tickle you. And I I do think though that what they've established is is the aesthetical look of it that feels the right amount of Pixar, but so removed from the Toy Story that it just feels more familiar to Pixar rather than it being associated with Toy Story. And I think that that's what this trailer is meant to sell is that visual aesthetic, which is why there's no need for for very much in terms of story. And as we get closer to that June 17th date, we will get more, I'm sure. Big question is, is is Zerg going to be in it? You know, he's got to be. Well, was that light the doors opening there? That's what I'm hoping, you know. Well, I'm wondering also, too, who's going to voice him, right? Because you got Chris Evans. That's that's pretty that's pretty good, right? Do you get a Robert Downey Jr. Just saying. I don't know. I don't know. Right? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, this movie hits uh, hits theaters by the looks of it June 17th, 2022. And with that, trailer time is done. So let's move right into our topic of the show. So this past weekend, we had the opportunity to hit up Fan Expo Limited Edition here in Toronto. Uh, this was our first con in over two and a half years, I'd like to say. And yeah, uh, keyword out of that whole thing is limited. Uh, this was a very limited experience, and uh, we're going to share our thoughts. Uh, Kev, why don't you kick us off here? Uh, yeah, I mean, right off the bat... I just want to preface this by saying, you know, after the last two years, we should we should all just be fortunate. Anytime we can get out in public, be around friends, be around people yeah. and do something. And so if we if I do sound at all negative when we're talking about the con experience itself, it is knowing that we're just lucky to be at a convention after the last 19 months. That said, this was bare bones. Yeah, and uh, you know, as as I said, it, this this felt very, very limited to a certain degree. But to your point, Kevin, it was fun to do it. And I think if anyone was thinking right now, what would a convention be like during a pandemic? Well, whatever you're dealing with and whatever you know, just take that. Think of what that experience is like and apply it to a con, because it was, you know, at times it did feel a little overwhelming, but never never so much that it was so packed that I felt like I I couldn't move around freely things were safe they had hand sanitizer stations set up uh so the that experience itself was was very safe but yeah because of the fact that a pandemic is going on there wasn't as many people and in the sense of people that actually showed up to either sell products on the floor limited amount of people that were actually doing appearances uh there was a whole ton that got canceled in the two weeks leading up to this, but there was some. We we you know a, a few of us did check out some of those 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 attendants. We got to see some artists. Uh, we got to do a bunch of stuff. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of share our thoughts of the experience overall 
in relation to doing those things that you would conventionally do at a con. The first day, we actually, you know, walked the show floor for a bit, which was the Friday, and then we made way over to the other building to see uh, Charles Martinet, uh, voice of Mario, um, and he was uh, quite quite a hoot uh, he was he was interesting he like it's like he just wanted to be on the stage to talk right well yeah it was pretty funny to watch him sit down get asked how he was doing and then his answer was about 15 minutes long and was tangents about growing up as a child uh, you know mixed with his experience as a voice actor in his 50s i mean he was all over the map with his storytelling uh but you could genuinely tell he Loves what he does. Feels oh, he very fortunate. He he, he's so appreciative of what he does. And uh, yeah, I mean, hard not to like the guy. He was very, very sweet in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was really uh, interesting. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to see him live because I've heard he's such a, a jovial person. And again, sitting down and listening to him tell his stories. And he has such a joy for life. And he loves that he's able to do what he does. And he keeps talking about how like... If you keep trying, you never know you're going to get your chance. You never know his his chance came randomly when he crashed an audition. They, he kept talking about as a random Italian per, uh, person for 15 minutes, and they said, "Stop, we're out of tape." Like he he's very funny <laughs> about how his, his experiences shaped him. Like it, it's it's cool. it was cool to see. Like it's uh, he you definitely see that he has you know the he is totally happy doing what he's doing and will do it for as long as they'll have him. So that was really cool. Nate was actually lucky enough to get his autograph. He got mm-hmm. his uh, got him. He went and did the signing thing and and everything like and, that. And uh, I watched him um, do the, the the meet and greet aspects of it. And he just had so much time for everybody. He was coming around the table to get pictures. He was recording voicemails for people in so the voices. Like he was. He seemed like just a really nice guy in that regard. And that was my experience for both Charles Martinet and. Uh, the, the the guests that I got to meet on Saturday evening um, that that I I was just pleasantly surprised with how again I think the theme of this weekend was we're just happy to be amongst each yeah. other again you mm-hmm. know and so yeah. it was really a celebration of that yeah I, again it, it there could have been more to do and more to see uh, more places but to for sit what down. it was yeah it was, more chairs that's all <laughs> yeah I was more say. more places to sit down but again it's it's a pandemic like I get like it's a stretch for them to even be doing this, right? Like it, it yeah. really is. And, and, and for these people to be coming and showing like definitely grateful. Um, I just don't know if it was worth the price, but we'll get to that later. Uh, in regards to uh, the, the guests, uh, though, Saturday afternoon, which was the next day, uh, we ventured to the main show floor and they were holding a panel there. One thing I want to talk about too, before we get into that, the panel setup was weird. As opposed to having individual rooms, most of the panels being held on the show floor just seemed to be very, like sometimes I had a hard time, hard, hard time hearing people over us, like the 100%. natural din of the room. I thought that was a very odd take on it. Right. Sorry, go and, on. No, but that's absolutely true, and that kind of goes into relation to you know who we got to see there. We saw Ken Lashley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate and I in two in twenty fifteen met Ken coming back from Comic Con, and luckily enough, he he remembered us when we when we showed up. And uh, he's a comic book illustrator. Uh, he does a lot of cover work. He works on property like Marvel, Lucasfilm, DC. He's he's worked on all of them, and and he's well known day, yeah. in the in the world of, of comics. And he's, he was, it was really delightful to see him, uh, just kind of talk about his experience, talk about what he likes to do. Um, again, to to the point where you're saying that was a huge fun aspect of, of it. Like in that little moment made most of what we were dealing with in terms of the lack thereof worth it. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. then it was like, but it was such a short period of time. Right. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it was nice to be able to connect with people and, and, you know, 
just just chat and and hear things and and learn more about other people that are working in these geeky geeky areas that we we know and love. Now, I struggled myself to find anything on the show floor that really stood out for me. My whole goal for the weekend, I was going on a big pop hunt. I knew what I was going to be looking for, and the pops selection was limited to say the least. It was mostly just commons and basic pops that you either have already or you never want to buy. They didn't have those hard-to-find pieces that I was kind of hoping but you guys seem to do a little bit better in terms of some merch shopping. Like, what are what were some of your favorite things that you were able to pick up this weekend? Uh, well, so one of my things again, I was I went with the same intentions as Kevin was to go on a pop hunt, and after seeing the the lacking selection of the pops, I decided to kind of switch avenues. And Nate, when he went out uh, east looking at the new place where he's moving the first time, he came back with a little random cat vinyl figure sitting on a cushion <laughs> with a, a fish on its head. And so for the entire weekend, I was just obsessed with finding as many different versions of this cat with some form of fish or pastry on its head. So I walked away with 10 of those. That was probably my favorite thing. But I also, my big thing is the artist Sally. I could spend all my money there on any of the booths. So I walked away with some cool uh, mixed media pieces, uh, pieces on canvas of, they're called Derpamon. And it's basically just derpy spins of Pokemon by an artist called uh, uh, Rari and Poli. So I picked up several pieces from him. I love that. And uh, even got a couple of Christmas gifts from my brother, which I never thought I would find at uh, a convention show floor like I did. So so there's some cool art finds for sure. With Artist Alley, we actually met uh, Miguel uh, Molina. Uh, his Instagram is mm underscore art D-E-P-T, which I think is art department. I think it was it was Nate who actually brought us over there. Yes. And he does these incredible, like minimal drawings of like superheroes and iconography from from a litter of, of pop culture references. And he had this beautiful piece of the Batman animated series Villains. It's amazing how he was able to find something so small yet so iconic to those characters that a line or a circle or something that just connects with who that character is in that series it was it's well done it, his stuff is fantastic check him out on instagram mm-hmm. um i i thoroughly enjoy I picked his up stuff. a couple pins uh i also picked up a little booklet that he has uh, of all the x-men um yeah he has great stuff and uh, hopefully we can get him on the show and maybe yeah. talk a little bit more about that that stuff but that would uh, be epic yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, you know uh, you guys talked about pop hunts i'm personally wasn't looking for pops I, I think i'm kind of done with pops for now i'm still going to continue with what i'm i'm collecting but i do have a whole set of other vinyl figures and i wanted to kind of add to those so i hit up toronto collective they're kind of like an urban epicenter where they cover uh, skate culture toy culture sneaker culture they, they got a little bit of everything graffiti artists and uh, while I was at their booth, I ended up picking up a, I uh, picked up three different vinyl figures designed by uh, Kano, and it is of Captain America uh, and uh, and Black Panther and Wolverine, and and they're essentially kids dressed up as as heroes, which is absolutely fantastic. Also, uh, I have been collecting the Unruly Industries. Uh, kind of I call them the sneaker set they're designed by Tracy Tubra uh I have Miles Morales uh Deadpool and Black Panther but I I picked up Batman 
from the sneaker series uh that's absolutely epic his cape is is unbelievable <laughs> yeah it's so cool with the batarang sticking out of the and, back. and these are so different from pops because you know you can clutter a lot of pops on a shelf but but with these sort of vinyl figures they're like art pieces right like they they need to sit on a shelf independently uh you almost take away from being able to look at them in that regard, for exactly. sure. Exactly, it's it's like an art piece, right? So it's kind of like a that sort of mentality. But they had some great stuff, and they, those guys were great. They were they were fun. They, they they had fun with us, and I know Nate spent some dollars there as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think the the highlight for me was the fact that you know there wasn't the big names. There was no Hasbro on the show floor. There was no. GameStop or EB Games. There was no Lego. Uh, those are big hitters. So I feel like maybe some of those vendors and those people that sh- and the people in Artist Alley saw that as an opportunity, and I think it might have worked to their benefits uh, for some of them. Especially like I, I know it's got to be tough because you know people are looking more so for the escapism of leaving and doing something during these crazy COVID times rather than maybe, you know, spending. But I think people are going to spend too, right? Like I think you saw, we saw people buying stuff like crazy. Mm-hmm. So the, oh, there's yeah. definitely money that was made from those vendors. And if that helps them out from the past year and a half, beautiful, right? Beautiful. And so I didn't really find that spark in the the merchandise and artists alley side of things. right? And so I did something I said I wasn't going to do and I, I dropped some coin on a meet and greet. Um, oh. You know, they always say never meet your heroes. And years ago, I met my all-time hero, my favorite wrestler of all time, Shawn Michaels. And the 20 seconds interaction was just really disappointing. You know, and that always stuck with me. And, and I'll never forget it. And But, you know, the Trailer Park Boys are uh, just some of my favorite crazy, zany TV characters of all time. And... The fact that they were there at their first ever convention, I thought, what a cool, unique experience. I'm going to shell out some coin and get an opportunity to meet these guys, and they did not disappoint. They were so amiable, so jovial, so kind and decent with their time. They let me ramble on to them for what was probably only a few minutes, but felt like 10 minutes. They just, they let me share some stories about how my dad recently fell into the show and fell in love with it. Um, they just, they were so kind with their time. They, they, and they seemed genuinely interested in what I was saying. And so, mm. you know, while also in staying in character. So it yeah. was just that blending of the experience that, that was a really special moment worth, worth every penny. Uh, I was able to pick up a nice autographed picture that I'll give to my dad for Christmas. Um, and I was this close to getting a shout-out for the channel from them before their <laughs> handler cut them off, and they had some choice words for her in character, which was just a perfect way to wrap things up. And one other thing I got to do, I uh, didn't meet the man, but I did get to see William Shatner on stage, oh, and yeah. he did not disappoint in that the first story he started to tell the audience was about uh, living across from a brothel growing up in, uh, in the mean streets of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and it was like, <laughs> of course, Shatner's coming out here and starting with a brothel story. Not the fact that he just went to space. No, it's let me tell you this little story. Um, so that was really cool to see. I just will say, chairs, please. If I'm going to be sitting for 30 <laughs> minutes listening to these stories, I'd like to be comfortable and, and a, a, hard con- a hard concrete floor isn't the best story time atmosphere. Sure, so, sure, And sure. now we, we could give a million reasons as to why they had things plotted out, spaced out, 
you know, um, as few chairs as possible, fewer surfaces. We, we get it. But yeah, there was, there was some sore butt cheeks by the end of the weekend. Well, you bring up a good point there about like, why couldn't you do like isolated spaces, like with a little table and some benches so that groups of people could kind of sit and they're spaced out. And cause you know, people are going to be traveling together mostly. Right. And I get it. There might be that one person that just has no one there and they're just going to go and sit somewhere, but maybe then you create a space where those people could kind of stand and watch. Right. Versus being coupled away. I think there could have been a little bit more thought. Like the one thing that stood out to me was like in the, at the Lashley experience, you know, they didn't have a mic stand for him and he, the whole intent was for him to draw while being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And he had to like pocket that thing in his pencil case and like lean into it <laughs> while he's drawing. And it's like, you know, if 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 someone was on was already aware of what that was going to be, they would have known, okay, well we have to have a mic stand there whether it's him or, or someone else, like just, just to have it so that he can put it where he wants and he can talk and he can do his thing. Um, so it, it's like, and, and like you said, Darcy, putting, putting that panel in the show floor where it was busy and it was loud, that didn't help. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that there was just, there was, they were trying to condense and again, no shade. It was really nice to connect with people and, and, and to get that fandom in and for us to have our weekend and enjoy, enjoy it. We found something to do. We found stuff to do. And that word limited in, in, the, in the fan expo experience, <laughs> it's, it's, it's literal. It was literal. Well, I mean, one of my big pet peeves for it, too, was they, they had separated the buildings. Normally, you're able to go from the north building to the south building through that connector. And I understand they close it because they don't want to have a lot of a tight people in a small area. So I get that, but if you're going to have separate buildings where you have to go in and out to get between them, give me a concession stand in the building in South Building because there's only the food court, the one food court that is in North Building when normally there's at least two or three, and then there was nothing in the South Building. So if we were over there, you know, waiting two or three hours to watch a couple of these panels, we had nothing unless we brought water. And then even if we bought water, there was nowhere to fill up, it looked like. So it was very interesting to be like, okay, you can come in here, but you cannot you know, eat or drink anything. You're going to be very uncomfortable on this concrete floor. It was like they took away all the amenities that usually make a con more accessible and comfortable feeling. So it was a very odd choice in that regard. And I didn't understand why they did that as well because you think that people need to be able to at least like like you just have water stations right encourage people to bring their home bottles like they didn't do bag checks they did prop checks of course but they didn't do bag checks i came in there the first day with my camera gear which was the biggest regret because that thing was heavy and i thought we were going to shoot stuff and it just ended up being like a limited edition and i was (laughs) like okay well there's nothing to shoot and like i i was so surprised with when we got there the friday at how limited it was it was just as soon as you saw that it was like okay switching gears changing pace this is a different kind of con experience and we we adapted we adjusted adapted. i think we and we made the most of it you know if if i'm going to reflect on the weekend um i just think a huge shout out to the staff working that convention they they made it quite clear throughout the whole weekend listen this is our first time back in two years guys we're just excited to be doing something anything and so as much as we've got very viable gripes i think we all understand why things were limited and done the way they and i think they'll only learn from this going forward but again the staff was uh amiable helpful and very very patient and then the guests that I either met personally or saw interacting with people were just, they were making people's days, weekends, yeah. whatever. You know, they were making dreams come true. And so as as much as I didn't do what I expected to do over the weekend, I did other things. And it was a wholly unique 
one-of-a-kind convention experience, very different from other ones we've done in the past. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, I mean, again, like, like Kevin was saying, we might have all these problems and we're talking about what we didn't like about the convention, but again, I'm going to look back fondly on this weekend because it was the first convention after 19 months of yeah. not being able to share my nerddom with, you know, just the general public. Yeah, absolutely. Walking around and seeing the cosplayers, which is one of my favorite things to do at conventions, just see how many characters I can recognize or how, like, I went to watch the cosplay uh, red carpet walk just to see what was uh, up there. And I saw three I count three separate Lady Gandalfs, and it's like, when, when am I ever going to see something like that? Like, this is why I come to conventions to see things I never thought I needed to see. So that's great. It was a very, it was fun. I can, I have, I had a good time despite all the the lacking uh, amenities that normally I'm associated to when I go to these conventions. I still had a great time. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think like you guys are saying, thank you Fan Expo for putting this thing on because. We were able to. It would. We were able to say that that was our first con experience after a pandemic. Uh, it was definitely different, and we were able to adapt to it. It could have been done better, and I think there's learns from it. But at the end of the day, thank you because we had a great weekend, and it does. It it it, it didn't. It, it wasn't so bad that it was like oh, it was a waste. I do think though that for what we did get and have and what we paid for, those tickets could have been a lot cheaper because of because of of certain sort of restrictions and, and it doesn't have anything to do with who's there and who's available and, and stuff but reevaluate right like you know it just depends on 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 really what you're offering and how maybe that could be reflected in the price just saying no yeah. shade but yeah <laughs> i'm i'm walking away from that with my the money i spent there is more of an investment so that we can sure. have another uh, the bigger conventions going forward this is a good return at least you know building that that steam up again for the convention that we we know and love and hopefully in the next few years we'll see that uh, scale again yeah absolutely 100 percent um well i think that's it guys we got through it all. We got through two movies, the Chalamet experience. We got that uh, Lightyear trailer covered, and and we've wrapped up this this fan expo limited series. Yeah, man, that was edition. We, we kicked it old school. We've been doing <laughs> yeah, so man. many reviews. We've been so blessed that our schedule has been full of reviews. It was kind of fun to while we did talk about some movies. It was in a more traditional format that that maybe some of our listeners, uh, you know, were more accustomed to. So. It was fun to get back into that old swing. Like you said, to hear the banjo again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. Also, we would love to know, did you check out any of the movies that we talked about? What did you think of that Lightyear trailer? Or did you end up at Fan Expo Limited Edition? And was it limited for you? If you did, reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. And if email is too formal for you, well, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering a variety of other content, including uh, our recent review for Army of Thieves, which is on Netflix as of right now. So be sure to listen to our quick fire review before you check that out. We also have our quick fire review for Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. And we have our spoiler-free review for Marvel Studios Eternals. Plus, if you're an Only Murders in the Building fan, we actually wrapped with our spoiler discussion of the season finale. Plus, I had the opportunity to sit down with showrunner John Hoffman, uh, who shared a little bit more of insight about bringing this show to life. So definitely check that out. But until next time, Darcy... Kevin, 
Thank you so much for joining me for this lovely old school recap episode. My first time on one of these old school ones. And I like <laughs> yeah, it. Very yeah. casual. Nice. Awesome. And uh, as we say, laters. Uh, get home safe, guys. Peace. Peace.